0: I'm here today with Tori Master. I'm happy to have him on the show. He's the CEO of Revital, they repair, recharge, reconnect. And there was another project earlier in your career that went very wrong. So, what happened there, Tori? Oh, yeah. There were plenty of projects which went
1: very wrong. But one is one of the first big projects I was on. I was working at the time for Elcatec, that was an OEM manufacturer, one of the largest European OEM manufacturers. Time that was very 2000, like 2003 or 2004, something like that. And basically, we designed the system to collect the data from tests and analyze the data and analyze the suppliers. So, to fix that, and we did a system and implemented it in China in Guangzhou at the time on the factory. And there was a tiny little checkbox in there. So for, made for testing purposes, instead of going to the database, to check that. It will basically create a text file for every test done. And we're talking about mobile phone production here. So it's seventy to 80,000 devices a week. And we're talking about four to five tests per device. So they ended up with nearly half a million files every week. But instead of going to oh. us, instead of fixing it, they just said okay, and they hired fifty or sixty people just to go manually through the files and import them into Excel and analyze. Just to show how bad, how wrong system—a well-designed system, otherwise well-designed system—shouldn't put it can go with just a, like a simple misclick or a simple miscommunication. Just show how. And how it was launched the data sets we were already dealing with back then. And because at the moment, the data sets we're talking about, we're talking about zettabytes and that is not an insignificant number. Like in general, we have data storage wise. We have roughly about 33 to 35 zettabytes and that is my problem. So a little tiny stay somewhere in the call, or just a tiny misclick by a person in implementing what engineer working with it later can lead to disastrous and very expensive consequences. And I wanted to kick off with that because that is the mode now everybody's AI, everybody's AI is great, but no no one is actually thinking what it brings with it, the dangers. And I'm not talking about the jobs lost. A lot of people are worried about that. The AI is taking away jobs. I don't know, South Park, it was like, and I they took our jobs. So that's actually not, gonna, that's not what's going to happen. I like, there was a very nice story by Heinlein. It was called The Door into Summer. And I don't know, maybe you know about that one. And there's a story about a person who designed sort of an AI. And so went to cry woke up in the future, but everything went sideways. So it wasn't going the way it planned, And eventually ended up working on a factory, which was fully automated. But they needed a person. They needed a human being to all look, all of those machines. And that person had a task of stopping everything if something went wrong. But there was also like a little unspoken rule to stop everything regardless because machines should have a supervisor. Let's put it that way. So a human should always oversee the machines. And I believe that's going to be the case. We will, the, the jobs are not going to go away. They're just going to change. So I'm sorry for the little segue into that, but it, it still like covers the point that we can go wrong in many ways. But one thing we will not go wrong is we will always keep an oversight. Because it, it's not, and I don't think we would have a matrix like situation, of kind of like thing, because it's not going to happen. We will check. We will keep our checks on every system and every system will have flaws because they will all be designed by us. And that's where, that's the big thing. We will always have floats. Sorry, you were saying something.
0: Well, and we're definitely not close to Skynet level AI yet. This is, it's still a helpful tool. Like. I, mean, I think ChatGBT opened people's eyes to what it actually is like and where it's actually at in development, if for those who are using it and seeing that. So this venture that went very wrong early on, I'm sure you took a lot of lessons from that. What were your takeaways that you then brought into the new venture?
1: The first thing I brought out of that is don't leave the test settings available to, to users, to just the on two hide them well. Or turn them off completely. And if you need to maintain the system, just do something, put in some sort of like a switch or something that you can switch the system, username, login, that switch the system to maintenance the spot. And that's it because users, even like engineer level users shouldn't have access to debugging and shouldn't have access to like backup tools. It's just not a good idea. So that was a big takeaway
0: from there. So from that, era, we've never done that mistake okay. again. Because that was a very positive state. So, what do you do with Rev- Revital? It's it's software into wearables, right?
1: Yes, that is absolutely correct. We take the data from existing wearables, rather than asking people to change their lifestyle or buy new devices, like majority of companies are doing. They're trying to sell. I'm not. Go- I don't want to name any companies here, but majority of them are trying to sell various devices, and so that's. Not what we wanted to do. We actually started with that. We started with that. That was another mistake we made. We started with that. We started with the device. We wanted to say, let's build a device. And great. It's going to be amazing. And the very moment I took that idea to investors, everybody said, device, no thanks. Like the, the answer was pretty much, yeah, it's a great idea. No thanks. And I said, because everybody and their uncle doing devices, but people don't mind them because why would they already have one on their wrist? And I do understand that approach like five years ago when majority of them started actually. Because back then the devices which were in the market were pretty terrible. And the algorithms were pretty terrible. It's not even the hardware waste. Salter wasn't there. Software was We didn't have the power. We didn't have the resources to process the amount of data points. Um, but that's not the case anymore. So we looked at that and we said, why? Why would we repeat the same mistake? We wouldn't. Let's learn on other people's mistakes. And we, instead, we took the data from existing devices and rather than showing it to users as well, that was another failure of us. We first created our first software. We also tried to show it to the user. We, We made an amazing interface. It was very graphical. It was very pictorial. We tried to avoid any language so it would be instinctively, like intuitively understandable to everybody picking it up and it was very nice graphics and everything, but nobody used it because they already have it and they already not use it. Less than a quarter of all smart devices are being useful, anything health-related. So we just repeated the same mistake because we gave them something they already have. Most companies are doing that and people are already not looking at the stuff that they have on the phone and they install the software, new software, and they're not looking at it. So that is the approach. We took the device and went with, I'm um, part of my sort of partially military-like approach that uh, install and forget kind of thing. So you install the software and it just does its thing. And it delivers the data to where it makes sense to you daughters. Driving is a task, but it's a task which requires our attention. Many people don't do it. Many people can't learn to drive. And analyzing health data is not an easy task. It requires a lot of information, requires a lot of knowledge. And many people don't understand the information that being basically thrown. The information is coming and it's coming in droves. There's a lot of data, sleep data, heart rate data, activity data. They're not looking at that. Majority of them are not, just like a simple thing. Hypertension is a very serious disease. It's a lot of people have. it. It's number one killer. If you take one single condition, um, which takes most lives up will be hypertension. And a lot of people are diagnosed with it nowadays. Roughly around 50%, 51% of sufferers actually are diagnosed. 42% of them are doing anything. They know that it decreases the quality of life. They know that it increases their mortality risk, by as high as 87%. That's a huge number. And they're not doing it because, sorry, we just have enough in our vein as it is. And that's why we decided to try it different Let's take the data and let's bring it to someone who can actually do it to
0: Why did you decide to solve this problem? What happened in, in your life that had inspired
1: you to do this? That's a, actually a very nice question. Thank yes. you. A couple of things did happen. First of all, I was diagnosed with hypertension myself. So it was uh, like a routine check and doctors checked my heart and said, okay, so there's something wrong. Let's do further analysis. And they st- all sorts of device. I was wearing the it device. It's to say that it's inconvenient is saying that water is down. You can't leave that without, okay. It's not for a long time, but you can't really function with alter, wearing that holster twice, and you can't shower, you can't properly dress. It's a major inconvenience. So that was one thing. Plus I have got a lot of doctor friends. And my best friend happens to be a handful of department in the largest hospital shape. just to give you the letter. So I have a lot of doctor friends and they were complaining that They have no historical information on patient, and the data, the diagnostical data they collect of the patient is of very low quality, because patients themselves they have no idea, they don't know, they don't monitor their health. They get to the doctor when it's getting too late. Not I'm not saying when it's too late, but when something really happens, You, you don't see people just going for checkups like every month. So no, you don't. I can give you the number for check. Yeah, so it's but it's a very Weird number because we have very social approach to healthcare, it's like socialist, I should say, approach to healthcare. And I can't say it's good or bad. I'm just saying what it is. So it's more often, it's more pre like visits to dogs more prevalent here. But still not enough. Like once every three months, that's you don't know what's happening. You have dogs have no idea what was happening. They imagine a person as a movie. We are movies. We have stopped happening in our lives. Doctors see, all they see, a little screenshot, like snapshots. So they take, you, you go there and they take your vitals and everything, but that's just a snapshot. They have no idea what's been happening to you. They have no idea. And they have no idea how it is changing. Day-to-day changes. They can only see, okay, so that's current snapshot. That's another one. But when you come to the doctor, you already have problems. So that snapshot is tainted. Even that data is stated because it only relates to what condition you have now, this moment, why, the reason why you came to the dot in the first place. So that's the, what's the reason behind it. I was looking into that for a long time. I was doing like research, but just the timing was wrong, very wrong, because there was no technical possibility to do what, I, what we're doing now.
0: Are you still in the development phase of the product or is it available now?
1: To the public. It is available. We actually released, two weeks ago, we released an Apple version, and this week, today, we released a Google version. So oh, there's an Android version as well. So we have released, it's a companion app because the adopter software wasn't ready for some time, but it was
0: absolutely useless without the companion app because we need to collect the data. So yes, it is available. It is available. If our listeners wanted to learn more or get this thing in use, how could they do? They can go to our website, they can
1: contact me, they can contact their doctor. So they will contact us because it works there. It's a two tier system. There is a patient and there's a doctor. Like I said, the date is delivered to the doctor. So doctor needs to be on our system. We need to have doctors signed up for us. It doesn't cost them anything. Patients pay because it's in their benefit and we actually pay doctors. We actually pay doctors for every active patient on the mm-hmm. system because we want them to actually check the data. It's useless if they get the data, but they never lose it. So we incentivize them to pay them. It's, I think that's the best incentive to have. Like, one 20, to everyone. So this is the most honest one.
0: Thank you, Tori, for coming on the show. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. Make sure to smash that subscribe button. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki, and we'll see you next time.